Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung here. Thank you for taking a few moments to join us as we take a look at the book. I have a five-hour audio series on CD entitled Creation, the Flood, and Prophecy. These three go together. Creation, the Flood, two major events in history past, and then prophecy. And how does creation and the flood play into prophecy? Well, that's why you need to have your complete copy of Creation, the Flood, and Prophecy, this five-hour audio series on CD, which is available to you. We'll have our study, and then I'll tell you how you can purchase your own copy. But right now, grab your Bible. Let's study about His glory, the Lord's glory in creation and prophecy. Creation, the Flood, and Prophecy. In light of the fact that the truth of creation is being totally attacked in academia, in the media, in the world today, we believe it's essential that we understand, indeed, God created us in the beginning. And the reason that people want to reject that is because if God was the creator at the beginning, that means he will control the end. And that's what we've been talking about when we think of prophetic things to come. Second Peter tells us in verse 3 that in the last days, and Peter was reminding everybody that they had to have a pure mind, and they do that through remembering the things that the prophets taught. That's the second verse of Second Peter chapter 3. And remain, bring the, the, those things to mind. In other words, stimulate your thinking by what the holy prophets said and by the commandments of us, the apostles, what the apostles had to teach. So now we're talking about the Old Testament and the New Testament and by what Jesus Christ taught. Do you know what he spent time doing after his resurrection? Forty days after the resurrection until the ascension into the heavenlies. He spent some of that time in Jerusalem, most of that time in the Galilee. And if you go to Acts chapter 1, you'll see that he taught them for that 40 days about his second coming. He was teaching prophecy. He was trying to prepare these men that were going to go forth and turn the world upside down to be anticipating his return. And in fact, in Acts chapter 1, when he went to the heavenlies, what does it say? Those men were steadfastly looking towards heaven. I always wondered why that word steadfastly was used by Dr. Luke when he wrote the book of Acts. It means to have your eyes fixed on the heavenlies. Because those two standing by, those two men in white apparel said, as he has gone, so he shall come again one day. In the upper room, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I shall come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And so for 40 days, having taught them the second coming, or prophecy, now they were motivated. Their mindset, their worldview was based upon the return and soon return. How do I know soon return? The Apostle Paul, remember when he writes about the rapture of the church? What does he say? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18, he says, And we shall be caught up. Wasn't talking about us in the future, 2,000 years later. He was talking about himself. He concludes his message to Timothy, the last piece of literature that we have from the Apostle Paul. Chapter 4, verse 8, he says, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, and not for me only, but for all of those who love his appearing. And so there was an anticipation and eager awaiting for the coming of Jesus Christ. 
Peter now says, after Paul had written, Peter says, I want to remind you of something. Stimulate your mind. Think about what the prophet said, what the apostles taught you. Think about what Jesus Christ had to say. He's coming. And some are going to say, verse 3, some are going to say, in the last days there'll be scoffers. And verse 4 says, what about the promise that he's coming? Where is it? And then it says, well, look what it says here in verse 5. For this they are willingly ignorant. In other words, intentionally willing to forget the promise of his coming. And it says, look at verse 5, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and of the earth standing out of the waters and in the water. God created all. By the word of Jesus Christ, he spoke the worlds into existence. You're going to be willfully ignorant or you're going to deny it. Look at verse 6, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. That's the flood. And so, and he's talking to Christians here because four times in chapter 3 he uses the word beloved. He's talking to those who knew him. And he was saying to them, you're going to intentionally forget that I created all and that the flood came and I judged all of the world except for eight people. You're going to willfully forget that. And what does Satan do then to try to continue to cause us to willfully forget it? Takes the glory from the Lord. You know what creation does? It makes manifest his glory. What are we talking about the glory of the Lord? Remember reading Ezekiel chapter 1? I don't know if you have, but just if you haven't, Read it later. It's an excellent chapter. I'm going to be teaching Ezekiel next time we're here in January. Ezekiel chapter 1 is telling about a throne chariot. Throne, because God's going to be on this throne. Chariot, because it's coming out of the heavenlies to the earth to come to Ezekiel. It has four cherubim standing with two of their wings. They have four wings, two covered, two standing extended, and they make a square chariot. Four faces each of these cherubim have. One, the lion, the eagle, the man, the ox, representing the person of Jesus Christ ultimately. And they have, I've never been able to explain this, maybe by January I can figure it out, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. I do not know what that means, actually. I don't know any Bible teacher that does. And if you can tell me how to put together a wheel in the middle of the wheel, see me, we'll invest together, and we can make a million bucks, I guarantee you. <laughs> Detroit, Michigan will love a wheel in the middle of the wheel. I don't, it could go either way. With, uh, unbelievable. But this magnificent creation of God, this throne chariot, brings the glory of the Lord to Ezekiel. And Ezekiel sees the glory of the Lord. He falls upon his face. He wasn't the first one to see the glory of the Lord. Abraham saw the glory of the Lord. Chapter 17 of the book of Genesis. Moses saw the glory of the Lord in the burning bush on Mount Sinai. Daniel saw the glory of the Lord. Daniel chapter 10. Many saw the glory of the Lord. And God says you've got to see the glory of the Lord. You know what Daniel did when he saw the glory of the Lord? Let me tell you what he did. Chapter 4 of the book of Ezekiel, I'm just giving you a synopsis of what we're going to be thinking about next time. Chapter 4, Ezekiel is to be a proverb to the Jewish people. 
God says in chapter 2, these Jews are hard-headed, stiff-necked, and hard-hearted. He said, but I'm going to give you a forehead that's harder than theirs. I know that's why God sent me to Israel, because I'm so hard-headed. And he figured I could deal with those Jews over there. But I want to tell you something. God gave him the capability, and then he made him a proverb, made him an example. He laid on his left side for 390 days. People walk out, what are you doing, Ezekiel? And then he, after 390 days, he lays on his right side for 40 days. For 420, or 30 days, he's laying on his side in the middle of the street. Well, he finally got up to fix him something to eat. And so he got all of his ingredients together to make some bread. And you know what? He realized after he had all the ingredients together, he didn't have anything to bake the bread on. So God says, take some human excrement. I'm not trying to be funny or vulgar. It's in the scripture. Ezekiel said, Lord, human excrement? Don't you remember your, your laws in Deuteronomy? God said, okay, don't use human excrement. Use cow excrement. <laughs> you know, that's a lot better, isn't it? You know, use cow dung to bake your bread on. This is far enough before lunch. Don't get excited. You'll be all right by lunchtime. But this is the scripture. I'm not breaking something up. And God said to do it. And then God says, shave all your hair off. I'm sure glad. Well, I mean, I wouldn't have a whole lot to shave off, but he said, just shave all your hair off. And then divide it into three parts. And one part set on fire. The other part, take a dagger and jab it. And then the third part, throw it in the air. Oh, just before you do, take a little bit and put it inside your belt. Isn't that ridiculous? What he was doing was prophesying. One third of the people were going to be killed by the sword when Nebuchadnezzar came. One-third would die of pestilence or starvation. In fact, it says they would be cannibals at that time. Fathers would eat their children. Children would eat their fathers. I'm just telling you what the Scripture says in Ezekiel, chapter 4. And then one-third would be taken into the captivity, and then that little remnant would be able to come back. Ezekiel 24 says that Ezekiel's wife of his youth died, and God said to Ezekiel, Don't you dare mourn. Don't you dare shed a tear. Don't you have the prayers? You go on like nothing has happened. And then in chapter 37, God brings Ezekiel to a valley of dry bones and tells Ezekiel to preach to a valley of dry bones. How could all that take place? Ezekiel saw the glory of the Lord. You want to know why we're not doing what he wants us to do? We haven't seen the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord, his majesty, his honor, his riches, his goodness, his wisdom, his reverence, his reputation. We haven't seen the glory of the Lord. You say, at my age? Yes, at your age. All of us need to see the glory of the Lord. So we do the will of the Lord. How can you see? You say, man, you're talking about Bible characters. That was when God appeared to these people. Thank you for taking a few moments to join with us for this study from our five-hour audio series on CD entitled Creation, the Flood, and Prophecy. And His glory, as we have just studied, can be seen in His creation 
and the reality of the soon-coming events that will fulfill Bible prophecy. You need to have your own copy of this Creation, Flood, and Prophecy CD set, five hours on audio and CD, by the way. That helps you as you travel along. Well, you need to get your copy by calling 877-674-3298. Now, that's a toll-free number from across America. Let me give you that number one more time. That's 877-674-3298. Or you may go to our website, Go to our shopping mall and you can purchase this volume right there. The website address, prophecytoday.com. Remember the title of the series, Creation, the Flood, and Prophecy, a five-hour audio series on CD. You know what? As we study Bible prophecy together and look at current events in light of Bible prophecy, we must be aware that the rapture could happen at any moment. And my friend, after having said that, There's really nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until...